Hi, I'm Lawrence Carroll, and welcome to Two Question Tuesday. I'm the author of ETFs for the Long Run, Dividend Stocks for Dummies, and a contributor to Forbes.com and Barron's. Each week on Two Question Tuesday, we randomly pick and answer two questions from clients of Focus Wealth Management. This week's questions will be answered by Phil D'Angelo, Managing Director of Focus Wealth, and Michael Passante, the firm's Director of Financial Planning. Good morning, gentlemen. How are you? Larry, good. How are you? Mike? Good. Great. How are you guys? Last Thursday, the Consumer Price Index, or the CPI, which excludes food and energy, increased 6.6% from a year ago, and that's the highest level since 1982. From August, the core CPI climbed 0.6 for a second month. The overall CPI increased 0.4% last month and is up 8.2% from a year earlier. Market watchers now think this will force the Fed interest rates to raise interest rates even more aggressively to stamp out persistent inflation. In response to higher rates, the market surprisingly soared on Friday or Thursday. The Dow jumped 2.8%, the S&P surged 2.6%, and the NASDAQ rose 2.2%. Here's the first question. Why did the market rally? Well, last week on Two Question Tuesday, I actually said going into the print, it almost doesn't matter what the number is going to be. The market will probably rally. And it was because we were down 13 out of 15 or 14 out of 16 consecutive days going into the number. Everybody was positioned in the same manner going into a negative CPI print. What does it mean? It means that we're probably going to rally some intermittently here. The, the, what's interesting is that we are down on a year-to-date basis more than we were in 2008 at this particular moment. So this is one of these situations where ultimately at the end of the day, the only two time periods in the past that we've been down this much on a year-to-date basis uh, was 1974 and 2002. And both instances saw pretty significant and violent rallies going into the fourth quarter. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that the economic picture picture is going to change. Sentiment is, is extremely negative. And ultimately, one of the things that I think that you're probably going to see from that CPI print is a Federal Reserve that continuously pushes the interest rate hike button, unfortunately, um, because there is there was no incremental tidbit in there that is likely to change Powell's stance. He's probably going to continue raising rates into a sequentially decelerating environment. The one other variable that you could see that could potentially be an incremental positive is if you look at the move index, and we haven't actually talked about this a lot, this measures treasury bond volatility. The move index is at the highest levels that we have seen since 2008, 2009. That's indicating that there is potentially a very negative event out there on the credits on the credit scale. And if that does ultimately happen, whether it is the Bank of England going back and forth uh, about what they're going to do about taxes and quantitative easing, or the Bank of Japan, which is probably going to have to step in to halt the decline in its currency once again due to the dollar being so strong, there could potentially be something out there that causes the Fed to pivot on the earlier scale. But by pivot, we mean stop hiking rates. doesn't necessarily mean they're going to start cutting immediately again. So you're having a tough time holding over 4%, right? Like it gets is. there and it bounces off, gets there and bounces off. Yeah. Ultimately, I do think that we're the, the terminal rate for the Fed is four and a half percent, maybe a little bit higher. I don't think that they can get there. I, I really do think that there's so much distress underneath the surface and the system on the credit scale that they're probably going to have to pause at some point. And I think that pause incrementally is going to be the catalyst for what that rally is going to be. It's hard to say because in that CPI report, yes, CPI by the middle of next year is going to be five percent, give or take a little bit, based off the base effects of housing. Um, but ultimately, at the end of the day, there was nothing in that report that should make Powell change his tone. 
No, but the shipping lines, which we said all along, you know, this is this is right stemming from the global uh, shipping and uh, and and supply chain issues is starting to ease up, and that's really interesting at this time. So rates could be hitting, you know, you're right, maybe four and a half percent, but with shipping uh, opening up and uh, maybe less demand, right? due to people fearing or the potential that we are in a recession um, should bring prices down a little bit. So I think we're headed in the right direction. It just takes some time to your point. Yeah. A Fed rate hike takes somewhere between nine to 12 months to actually filter through the And to your point, they're probably going to bridge too far. They're going too far. There's no no question about the fact that they're going to over-tighten. They're going to break something. That's that that pause is going to be the moment that you see a rally back. But economically, you're just still not there yet, unfortunately. No, no. Well, talking about black events and a big, big mishap coming in the future. Currently, Credit Suisse is facing a hole of four billion dollars. And given the need to restructure the investment banking operations at a time of minimal capital generation, according to Goldman Sachs, which added that the Zurich based firm could face a capital shortfall of as much as eight billion in 2024. In addition, last week, Bloomberg reported that the Justice Department is investigating whether Credit Suisse continued to help U.S. clients hide assets from authorities eight years after the bank paid a $2.6 billion tax evasion settlement and pledged to tackle the issue. So here's the second question. What's going on with Credit Suisse and should we be worried about this? So look, absolutely. I mean, you know, unfortunately, Credit Suisse has had about five CEOs in the past five years. Uh, It's been incredibly mismanaged uh, for being such an iconic uh, bank and especially having exposure globally um, in the U.S. as well as Zurich. Um, But they, they have, you know, I guess... You know what I would be concerned about right now um, is their their tier one capital, which appears to be okay. Uh, their mortgage backed securities, you know, they're not too far. They're not Lehman yet. Um, the stock is obviously hammered. Uh, you know, the the, the stock, um, you know, is probably it's a four dollar four four dollars fifty cents something like that right now. And all the European banks have struggled, right? But especially Credit Suisse due to lack of leadership and also lack of guidance on where it's headed. You know, they had an asset management division, they had an investment, they had trading, they had commodities. Unfortunately, they also write a lot of derivatives. And so, you know, when you look at the UK markets with their pension uh, problems freezing up, you know, a lot of those derivatives uh, are backed by Credit Suisse as well. So once again, you know, we look at these global banks and we wonder what their exposure is now. So Credit Suisse, I think, is very unique right now. Um, you know, uh, they're they're probably the weakest global bank out there, uh, maybe with Deutsche ahead of that. Uh, Deutsche's government, you know, the German government obviously stands behind Deutsche. I'm sure the Swiss would stand behind theirs. Our banks are extremely well capitalized. Um, you know, I would not worry about contagion in the U.S. banks, especially with, you know, the leadership that they have, whether it's J.P. Morgan with Jamie Dimon, whether it's Citi. Uh, trading below tangible book value, whether it's Bank of America. These guys are tried and true, took their banks through the crisis, are well capitalized, and have all met the Fed uh, stress tests with with good colors. So you're not in a contagion environment a la Lehman. Um, I don't see that. I, I don't see a Lehman Brothers moment with credit, with, with credit Suisse. But to Michael's point, the higher rates go, uh, you know, it's like Warren Buffett says, you see who's swimming without their trunks on. And um, that might be them, especially with this turnover 
uh, in their C-suite for so many years. So they got a lot of work to do, a lot of cleanup to do. Um, but I don't think that they're going to go under the fines that they've paid, whether it was from the mortgage crisis that they just got hit with again, they settled with, I think, this morning or last night, uh, as well as, you know, uh, the international banking uh, and, and hiding funds. Um, you know, that was that was, like you said, about eight to 10 years ago. Uh, and they're still facing penalties on that. So they got to clean up shop. And I thought they did. And obviously, uh, they didn't clean up shop as much as they had to. And it's haunting them. Yeah. But I, I don't see a leaving moment. Yeah. I, Phil, you made a number of really good points. And I want to kind of like try to extrapolate this back to like, like financial markets, right? Um, if we do see a credit type of event, it is unlikely that it's going to be in the United States most yes. likely to be on a global scale. You've seen central um, European bank credit default swaps rise. Credit default swaps are the probability of a failure of a particular bank. But how does that equate back to you know US equities in terms of what Phil's talking about and even the bond market? The Barclays aggregate bond market is down about 15% on a year-to-date basis. And a lot of these bank reserves and their capital ratios are invested in certain fixed income instruments. As they experience declines in those, their asset base and their foundation kind of erodes a little bit. So that's one of the reasons why you're seeing some of the distress that's popping up there. So it's more likely that we get something a little bit on a global scale versus something in the United States, which is kind of a risk event. Uh, the contagion, I, to me, Credit Suisse could more be more like a Bear Stearns type of a thing than potentially a Lehman, but Credit Suisse has assets. So assets. And, and good assets. Didn't Bear Stearns well. go under too, though? Yeah, JP Morgan had to rescue them first. Before but to Mike's happened. point, they had valuable assets that, you know, yeah. were merged in. Yeah, it's not, it's not going to be a super negative black swan type of event, yeah. but it's going to scare people into thinking that there could be another yeah. one out there. And the the negative to me is evident in central banks, <laughs> like the ECB, the Bank of England, the Bank of Japan. Um, they have to get their act together and start to recognize the risks that are out there, too, as well as the Federal Reserve. The, the narrative that the Fed has created is the biggest risk because we're living in a narrative where they have to hike rates in order to make inflation go away. So every time we get this hawkish print, we price in more rate hikes, there's more negativity in the market. They have to change the narrative more than anything else because relentless, never-ending rate hikes is not going to fix this. Okay, well, thanks, guys. That was great. And if you'd like to submit a question, send it to our email address, which is question at twoquestiontuesday.com. And we'll be back next week. Great. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys.